I didn't pull up any articles that we talked about. What was that one that I showed you? This is Writing in Real Life. A podcast about writing, publishing, parenthood, and marriage. I'm Barry Liga. And I'm Morgan Baden. Let's get started. I know this is your episode to run, but before we get started, I just wanted to uh, do some brief and necessary follow-up to uh, our episode 106, 106, episode 106, the one you can pre-order where we talked about pre-orders, mm-hmm. and Eugene, who has commented before, sent us a comment, and he says, I don't recall if Barry's tweet thread about pre-orders touched on this, but I always thought the pressure to pre-order came from wanting a book to have strong first-week sales to improve its chances of hitting the bestseller list. Maybe that's another reason why publishers are leaning so hard on pre-orders, but I totally agree. It's a terrible, unfair burden to shift to the author and readers. And on the flip side, I've noticed that unless there's an embargo on a book, books kind of go on sale whenever the order store gets to them. Or whenever Amazon feels like releasing them. Right, and pre-orders arrive early or late in some cases, which I imagine must affect those first week numbers in some way. Publishing is such a mystery. All that said, I just pre-ordered the hive. That's the important part, right? (laughs) So, Eugene, first of all, we appreciate your order. Thank you, Eugene. And, yeah, excellent comment. And I think that's certainly a big part of of the, the pressure of course, As, you yeah. Know, because all those pre-order, you know, if pre-orders for a book are open for say six months before the book comes out, all of those orders over those six months are credited to the first week sales because mm-hmm. they're considered to be sold that first week. So yeah, it can be a way to try to force a book to pop on one of the bestseller lists right. in its first week. It's still, like he says, not a great thing to push down to authors and readers to make them responsible. And and as he points out, like you can't really affect when these books come out. Yeah. Um, you know, places will miss the embargo, or you know, I mean, I remember I with my very first book, I was trying to do a countdown. I had a mm. countdown clock yeah. to when the book would come out, and like a week and a half before it came out, people were saying, "Hey, I found your book at wow. Barnes and Noble. Hey, I found your book at this place," and I was like. Oh, like what's the point of having a countdown clock, you know, yeah. if, if if the book's not going to come out on the date it's supposed to come out? Yeah, the truth is it's really only the really big books that have embargoes like that. So Right. The the stories I could tell about what happens to a Harry Potter book. Yeah. Um and how a bookstore receives them and when they receive them and the, you know, the rules around when they're allowed to open the box even. Right. So there's lots of things like that, but it's really only for the big, big books. Right. So it is sort of a slow rollout for most books. Yeah. Yeah. But so, and yeah. again, you know, our, our, our feelings have not changed on that, but I thought Eugene made some really, really good comments there and I wanted to make sure we got them out there. So, all right, over to you. Let's talk about our launch party. Let's talk about our launch party. Guys, we had a really great launch event at uh, a very cute independent bookstore called Words in Maplewood, New Jersey. Yes. You've had events there before. Yeah, this was actually my fourth event there. Mm-hmm. And they I joked th- that they were going to give you like the SNL jacket. Yeah, I know. Like one, well, yeah. My next one, I get like a, a jacket or a trophy or something. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was great. We ha- it, it was chaotic and also really fun. And afterwards, I... I I had a good time, which is mostly what I was looking forward to was just making sure that I wasn't super nervous or anxious or like, is no one going to show up? And Oh, that was not a problem. (laughs) In fact, the bookstore sold out of books. Yeah. They did not anticipate the demand, Mm -hmm, which was great. Yep. I mean, good and bad. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) No one wants to sell out of books completely at the store. Um, But it was, I mean, you tell me how how does this compare to previous launch parties you've had? I mean, your first launch party for your first book was... Like a wedding. 
my my launch party for my very first book. I mean, first of all, this was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I like rented out a a restaurant's back room. Uh-huh. Uh I had it catered by the restaurant. Amazing food. Great Italian place. Um, a local bookstore sent somebody with a you know credit card machine and a cash register. It was so long and, ago. It was one of those paper swipe machines. Yeah, right. right. No, they actually had to uh, write out, handwrite the uh, the receipts. Um, <laughs> And uh, and we sold like eighty one books. Uh, did you give like Did you read during the that event? I you know I don't remember. I remember I gave a talk. Okay. Wow. Um, I gave a little little speech, just thanking people mm-hmm. and for being there and and all that. Um, I don't remember if I read from it or not. Huh, I was just curious. Yeah. Um, so what we did at our launch party was I think very cool. It was fun, yeah. Yeah, yeah go so ahead. So we had Sarah McLean, who is an award-winning, best-selling romance novelist. Also, also, coincidentally, the woman who set us up on our first date. Yes. And then officiated our wedding. So she, she's been around us. She's been around. She is basically responsible for the birth of this book and our children. Yeah, as she reminded the audience Constantly, at the event. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. So Sarah, we had Sarah come in from Brooklyn, and she moderated a discussion, which I thought was great. Um, I mean, leave it to Sarah. She always, obviously, is very smart and compelling and can hold an audience, which is very nice. Um, So that was cool, and I thought it was a really good discussion. And then we took some Q&A, some really great questions from the audience, including people I didn't expect and questions I didn't didn't expect, so that was nice. And then... And then the surprise of the evening was, so we had a... uh, we had a projector set up, and we was just showing our book cover, basically. And then, uh, you know, an hour or so into the evening, uh, Jennifer Beals FaceTimed us up yeah. on the projector. And, and she talked to the audience a little bit, and people asked her questions, and, and we asked her questions, and she answered them. And, she, and then she asked us questions, uh-huh. yeah. which was really cool. And that was, that was really, really fun. We hadn't told people this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Because we were afraid, like, maybe there'd be a technical glitch. Yeah, or maybe she'd be or, called away to right, something. Right, she'd be called off to set or something like that because she's shooting the L word right now. Uh-huh. So we were worried and we didn't want to promise something that, that couldn't happen. You know, wasn't 100%. Yeah. But it worked and it was great and it was a lot of fun. I want to talk about my favorite moment. Okay. Which is... The conversation that Jennifer had with my aunt, Lisa. (laughs) Now, if you follow me on social, particularly Twitter, you've probably seen me talk about my aunt, Lisa, um, who I adore, who has never read a book for pleasure in her life and then got an advanced copy of The Hive, which, of course, we gave her. And she read it. She read it and liked it so much that she is now rereading it. Yeah. And she brings it with her wherever she goes. So she just keeps sending me updates. Right. Like sort of every other day I'll get a text with a photo of her getting a pedicure and the book on her lap. And a quote from one of the scenes where she asks me a question or says, I can't stop thinking about this. And it is. It's like her pet. It it is. And it is so. Like I don't want to sound patronizing. It's so cute, and yeah. I'm so honored by it, and also just really proud. And I like I, I'm not. I don't think this has anything to do with us. It could have been it, like the book itself. I think isn't the tool that got her reading. It's the fact that a family member she knows and loves sure, wrote course. it is what got her reading. But um, it's really exciting. And so Jennifer asked at the launch party, "Who here has anyone in the room read the book already?" Yeah. And a couple people raised their hands because you know part part of the audience was our family, and they've had arcs for a few months now. And 
my aunt and Jennifer Beals got into a nice conversation <laughs> about the book. I know. <laughs> so I don't even know if you know this, but I saw my aunt the next day because it was her daughter's bridal shower. We've got a busy fall here, guys. And um, my aunt was joking all day long about how Jennifer is her new best friend. And she brought Jennifer to the bridal shower. And she can't talk now because <laughs> Jennifer's on the other line and all this stuff. It was really cute. <laughs> they got along famously. Yes, yes. So that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any reactions or favorite moments from you? Um, I, You know... I really, I did enjoy the conversation that Sarah moderated. Yeah. I thought that was, I thought she did a really good job and that was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm glad the Jennifer thing worked out. Yeah. I was really worried that there was going to be some kind of technical glitch. She texted me, you know, we had set up a certain time when she would call in and she texted me just before that and said, oh, I'll be calling in in a couple minutes. And I was like, okay, great. And a couple minutes went by uh-huh. and then a couple more and then a couple more. And it was like 10 minutes. And I was like, what is going on here? Well, and it was also compounded by you sort of kept getting up to check the laptop. And then the bookstore turned off the lights. Right. And so then we were sort of all sitting there quietly waiting. There were, right. I mean, there were definitely a couple of awkward moments, yeah. but yeah. I think it all paid off. But it was it was fine. She did call it. I mean, you know, the problem is that she was supposed to call in at 8 o'clock and the bookstore closed at 9. Mm. And so, and we hadn't signed any books yet. Right. And so, you know, it got to be 10 after 8 and the bookstore folks came over to me and said, look, you know, can you guys start signing? And whatever you're trying to do when that happens great it happens so we said okay sure and we started to sign and then boom Literally, she called I think in 30 seconds yeah. after we started yeah and then she called in so we got everybody to sit down again and yeah. and, and dim the lights again and and uh had had a nice chat with her yeah so all in all a wonderful evening yeah our genuine thanks to sarah mclean for moderating and to jennifer for facetiming it and the folks at words who uh made it all work absolutely So sticking in the theme of the hive, today we did something cool. So the book's been out for 10 days, nine yeah, days. Yeah, something like yeah. that. And for the first time, we went to a bookstore to see if it was there. Right, right. <laughs> Which, from what I understand for a lot of authors, is a, a day of release tradition, right? Yeah. So a lot of authors will go to whatever neighborhood bookstores, you know, within a 20-mile radius or whatever, and sign stock. Um, we just had such a busy launch week that... We never got around to it. There was no time. Yeah. There was absolutely no time to do it. So we finally did it today. Yeah. And that was really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. We went to the Barnes & Noble um, nearby, about 15 minutes away. Because we already knew it was at Words. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So really technically the second bookstore. Yeah. And of course, people have been sharing photos of it and family members have been texting images of it at their bookstores. Um, but it was super neat to go in and see it on the front table and to sign stock and it was on the front table. That's always very cool. You know, the funny thing is you walked right past it. I literally scanned the front table and I was like, Oh man, it's not there. And I walked around to the back and I was like, not there either. (laughs) Listen, I don't have the best eyes these days, (laughs) but, uh, but there it was. And it was cool too, because also, uh, I had an anthology come out this week. Yeah. Um, I have a short story in the anthology, Life is Short and Then You Die, from the Mystery Writers um, of America. And uh, and that was on the front table, yeah. which was really cool. So uh-huh. I had those two books there. So yeah. we, we signed them and chatted with the folks at BNN, and that was, that was cool. Super fun. Yeah. So the reason we've had such a busy launch week 
and haven't been able to catch our breath is because there was a lot of transitions happening in our household. Yes. Um, the day that our book launched, our daughter had preschool orientation mm-hmm. and then her first day of pre-K was the next day. Yes. So that's big. And her pre-K days are shorter, significantly shorter than her daycare days were. Mm -hmm. So she's here later in the morning and gets home earlier in the afternoon. So that really contracts our writing time. Our writing time and time to run around and go to bookstores and and things like that. And at the same time, as we talked about in a previous episode, our son, uh, a couple days a week, has speech therapy. And that also shortens the day. So when you add those two things together, it's like, it feels like we drop them off and the house is empty for about 20 minutes and then they're home again. Uh Yeah. Well, let's talk then about how our daughter's shortened day is or has changed your sort of routine. Because I know how it's changed mine. Uh, I eat breakfast later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, the the biggest thing, I mean, I, I feel a lot more pressure to get everything done by say noon. Yeah. Because I feel like once I hit noon, you know, she doesn't get home at noon, but once I hit noon, I feel like the day's over. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so that, that takes a lot uh, out of me, you know, Mm -hmm. to try to, and again, because she's leaving later, it used to be that, you know, from eight to four, it right. was almost almost a regular day. Yeah. You know, it was almost like a nine to five day. I mean, literally yeah. it is. Eight yeah. to four is the same amount of hours. Um, and uh, and it was it was roughly that much. I mean, it was technically like eight fifteen to three forty five, but close enough. Um, and now it's more like nine nine to one thirty, yeah, yeah uh-huh. something like that. So it's suddenly it's like four hours. Yeah. It's it's you know half as much time. Um, and as we have talked about in the past, I have a lot going on right now. <laughs> I have a lot of projects going on right now. So it, it, it's sort of a race every day to, to finish them. And, um, you know, she is, she is old enough and she is at the point where when she comes home from school, she really needs her decompression time. She's really like one of those, um, I don't know if she's a highly extroverted introvert or an introverted extrovert. Like, yeah. I don't know which one it is. Yeah. But she is super on at school and with other people. But then when she gets a chance to be alone and decompress, that girl needs her space. Yeah. Yeah. She comes home and she's like, leave me the hell alone. Yeah. She literally will say things like, stop asking me questions, guys. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, today in the car, I said, uh, th- there's only seven other kids in her class. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, oh, did you have fun with, you know, person A? And she goes, yeah. And I said, what about person B? And she said, yeah. And I said, what about person C? And she goes, yes, C, D, E, F, G. Stop asking me. All of them. I had fun with all of them. And I was like, okay, then. (laughs) So. It's really funny to watch, though. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm the same way. Like, I love people. I, I get a lot of energy from being around people and in social situations, but I also need that alone time mm-hmm. and I need, you know, time with a book and time with yep. the iPad and, you know, just time with TV and, and Bravo. Um, and, and clearly, clearly. She, she needs I that mean, too. She, there was one day where she came home 
and she she laid on the sofa with her iPad for a little while, and that was fine. And you were sitting. I was at the clo- dining room. You were close mm-hmm. by with your computer, and I was in my office, which is we were probably equidistant from yeah, her. You yeah. know, we were in, in two different directions. So neither of us had direct and line right, of sight to right. her. And then you sort of said, "Hey, sweetie, are you okay?" And she didn't answer. And I heard you say that. Uh-huh. And I thought, so I well, asked again. I thought that's interesting, but I was I was working. And then next thing I know, you tiptoed into my office and you were like, come see this. <laughs> and we went out and she was passed out on the sofa. With the iPad literally still playing the yeah, video she yeah, was watching. in front of so, her. Like so that right was, next to her ear. That was pretty funny. But you know, I remember when I was a kid, I would get home from school and I just needed that time to decompress. And I would sit down in front of the TV and watch cartoons mm-hmm. with a bowl of carrots That was my thing. Uh, Listeners, he still does that. Yeah. You still just like snack on a bowl of carrots. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, and I would just sit there and watch cartoons for like an hour, hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And and I did not want to talk to anybody. I didn't, I, I just, that was what I needed. Yeah. I would do the same, but it was microwave popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't cartoons, I bet. It was not it was cartoons. soap operas. I was, was going to say it was either soap operas. No, it was probably like um, Saved by the Bell. <laughs> <laughs> totally serious. Anyway, um, I, for me, I can say that I've intentionally shifted my routines a bit for the day because uh, in order to obviously maximize the actual like focused writing time that I need. Right. Before, I would be like, oh, let me take care of some of this admin you know, yeah. after breakfast, or send whatever. out emails, look yeah. at contracts, and whatever. Then I'll, yeah. And then I'll dive into the actual writing. And now I'm not doing that. Now it is like drop off kids, eat breakfast, write. Yeah. And then I've, sh- so I've shifted all of that sort of admin or, um, anything I'm, I'm saying admin, which is really just a catch all for non-writing. So, Oh, yeah. my non-writing work now, because I can do that sitting here at the dining room table while, after after we picked her up, yeah, you know, so I don't I don't need a hundred percent focus on that the way I do with the, with the writing. So, right. so that's been an interesting experiment too. Yeah. Meanwhile, our son has been adjusting to his new routine, yeah. which is that he's at he's at daycare without his big sister. Yeah, and they're really close. And he's doing well though. Which he's is, doing which well. Is really you know, nice. I mean, he had a couple of meltdowns the first week, which we yep. totally expected. Um, but it, yeah, I, he seems to be doing well. But everybody at everybody at daycare says he's doing fine, so that's great. Uh, you know, we were worried how was he going to do without his big sister there backing yeah. him up and and looking out for him. But he's great. He is he's great. great. He's having a good time. My favorite thing is, and I forgot about this phase of childhood, which is that when when your kid is old enough to talk, but not necessarily to um, to answer things correctly, right. So my favorite thing is that I ask him what he has for lunch every day at school. Right. And every day he says rice. <laughs> and I know they're not feeding him rice every day. So it's just funny because I'm waiting for the day where he actually like tells me an answer. Differentiates, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's very cute. Yeah. Yeah. So before I ask you what you're reading. Yes. And before I talk about what I'm reading because we're both very immersed in our current books which yeah. is nice yeah it's it's nice that we're both enjoying something uh-huh. at the same time yeah not the same thing um, yeah. but uh we wanted to highlight this article that you sent me the other day from real simple which the headline reads people who read before bed not only sleep better but eat more healthily and make more money <laughs> um also i like the author's name is maggie siever and that makes me think of growing pain so i just get like oh, memories yeah, there, there you go. the siever family um anyway we are both read before bed people yes 100 um it seems like it's the only time we have 
I mean, that is totally true. <laughs> it's it's the only time we, we have to read. So that is where my reading gets done now. Um, it used to be, I used to be a commute reader, right. but then I was a commute writer. Yep. And so I couldn't read on the commute anymore. And now I also can't like, like I used to read, read books on the bus into the city, which is like, now makes me car sick. So I can't believe I used to do that, you know? <laughs> anyway. Um, so yes, before bed is the only time we have to read. And I mean, I, the benefits are all obvious, right? Like for me, it, it totally relaxes my brain, helps me wind down. And it's such an ingrained part of my sort of nighttime routine now that I almost can't get to sleep without it. Mm. Um, do you feel the same? No, no. Oh. I, you know, uh, reading at night is, is sort of a, uh, it's a fraught issue for me, actually. Really? Uh, because historically, um, my problem is I will be reading and... I just don't go to sleep. I just stay up and keep reading. <laughs> That's true. Um, you know, and and it was like that all through my childhood and my young adulthood. Um, so now, you know, I sort of, I, I have to put a limit on myself um, and make sure that I stop after a certain amount of time because otherwise I will stay up till three in the morning yeah. reading, yeah. you know, and, until I fall asleep, you know, with the iPad smacking me in the yeah. face when I drop it. Um, well, you also do something else curious, right? Which is you read... But then you transition to a crossword puzzle, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, for you, it's the crossword puzzle that sort of signifies. Yeah. The crossword puzzle is what puts me to sleep. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I don't know why, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, the, the brain is a mystery. The brain is a mystery. It's, you know, it's just one of those things that, um, you know, many, many years ago, I started doing crossword puzzles at night yeah. before I would go to bed. And I can't tell you which came first. I think it was just one of those things where I got used to being tired as I was doing them. So now doing them makes, makes me tired. tired. Sure, yeah. Um, and I kind of wish that this other thing worked the same way. I wish that just by reading at night, we would automatically eat healthier and make more money. Right. Uh, I yeah. wish it was a causal relationship. <laughs> uh, it's too bad that it's not. Um, some interesting stats here, and obviously, I don't know how scientific this is. It looks like it was a pretty small sample, yeah. and it was hosted by a, a mattress company. But still, <laughs> um, of the people who reported being bedtime readers, 76% of them reported better satisfaction with their sleep quality. And then over the course of a week, the people who did read before bed ended up clocking an extra hour and a half of sleep over the week than non-bedtime huh. readers. Which I thought was really interesting. See, for me, left to my druthers, it would be fewer hours of sleep <laughs> because I'd stay up. That's funny. Um, okay, so I feel like we've built up to this. Let's talk about what we're reading that yeah. we're both really enjoying. Sure. So I'm reading a book called The Ghost Bride. I have absolutely no idea how I stumbled upon this book. It was probably just some random, like, algo recommendation for me. It's by Yangzi Chu. It turns out that The Ghost Bride was actually published in 2013. So again, I'm not sure how I just got my hands on it. Um, and then the really exciting thing that I just discovered, literally moments ago, is that it's going to be a Netflix original series. Hey! I have a pretty particular type of book that I tend to go for. And recently I've been trying to branch out a bit. Mm. <laughs> and this is, this is one of those attempts. And I'm really glad I, I've done it because I'm really enjoying the book. Um, it is seat in Chinese lore and Chinese history. Um, so it's fiction, but it's set in a region of China, um, a couple of hundred years ago, I believe, possibly only a hundred or so. Um, so it's just sort of filled with lots of backstories of Chinese superstitions and religions and, 
um, it, it's it's so captivating. But again, I don't think it's something I would have picked up um, because it's not light reading. Right. It's mystical. Um, it's perfect for fall. I like a good ghost in the fall. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm really liking it. What would you? I'm curious. What would you say is your type of book? What, oh, what is the type of book you are trying to read less of? Like two white chicks on a beach. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Listen, we read what we know sometimes. I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like like there should be a shelf talker like that. Like, <laughs> two white chicks on a beach. Two white chicks on a beach. Huh. All okay. Right. How about you? I am reading The Lock Artist by Steve Hamilton. And like you, I recently discovered that this book came out a while ago. <laughs> it was 2010 that this book oh, wow. came out. Um, I did not realize that when I, when I picked it up. Um, like you, I'm not 100% sure how I found this book mm. um, because I found it a while ago, um, but I just started reading it within the last week. It won the 2011 Edgar Award. I know. Wow. I know. That I guess was, that's a pretty that good was book. That was the year before I was nominated for the Edgar uh. Award and did not win, <laughs> but I'm not bitter. Um, it uh, It's a really good book. I, I'm really enjoying it. It is, uh, from the point of view of, of this kid... It's not YA, but it, it is a very young protagonist. He's like 18 or 19. Yeah. And something horrible happened to him 10 years ago. And he's, he's not telling you yet in the book. Mm-hmm. But something horrible happened to him that he barely survived. And as a consequence of it, he does not speak. Okay. And so, but the, his other thing is that in his, in his not speaking and being isolated and lonely, he taught himself to be like the gr- world's greatest lockpick. Mm-hmm. And so now he's sort of traveling the country, hiring himself out to help criminals break into houses, oh, open funny. safes, but he doesn't talk at all. Um, and it's just really, the voice is really, really well done. It avoids most of the typical, like, first person YA cliches. And it's just, it's just a really good book. I'm about halfway through it and I'm really, really enjoying it, cool. which, is, which is nice. Well, that's the end of our launch week extravaganza. <laughs> um, thanks, everyone. And thank you again, truly, to everyone who supported the launch of The Hive, whether from near or afar. Um, it's super appreciated. And- we really we really do appreciate it. This, was, this, this project took up a lot of our lives yeah. because it was both of us. Uh-huh. And it's really good to have it out there. Yeah. And we have uh, high hopes for its success. We do. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Visit us at writingrealllife.com where you can read show notes for each episode and also leave comments and offer suggestions for the show. Find us on Twitter at WIRL Podcast. And be sure to visit us on iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Thank you.